Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. This is going to be episode 694, and it's just a little thing. It's just a, it's just a little whimsical thing that I want to share with any of you who are interested in listening to this. So let me set the stage for you. I, I live close enough to a voting location that I decided to walk this morning to, to go and vote. Because it's election day, 2020. Yay! <laughs> and uh, I was listening to this book called Egregores. And the reason I was listening to it, if you heard the recent interview that I did with Phoenix Aurelius, he talks about egregores. And egregore is basically like a shared belief system. I'll say it that way. And then the day that I released that episode, a new friend of mine on Facebook uh, posted something about egregores. That's Richard. And I'm going to interview Richard, I hope, at some point about egregores because he seems like he's a really smart guy. So he posts about egregores. I hear this thing on egregores. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the audiobook. I'm going to start listening to egregores. So I'm listening to it, and I'm kind of struggling a little bit about the way that they're presenting it. Because, you know, I'm, I'm an open-minded guy. I can go so far on what I think is literal and then go into metaphorical and still playing with it. So as I was walking back from the polls, I started just recording what I was thinking. And you're going to hear that. So you're going to hear traffic noise in the background. You're going to hear not very good sound quality because I was on my headphones on that microphone. But I get this analogy that you've probably heard before. Every, you know, there's many paths to the top of Mount Fuji. I was playing around with that metaphor and uh, then exploring this idea of egregores. And so I really don't have any, any objective other than to just share this with you. And if anybody's interested in this sort of thing, let me know. And let's play in this sandbox together because that's really what this podcast is anyway, right? And I, I also released a new little episode of Bathing with God today that I think is pretty funny, so I'm going to tack that, on, <laughs> tack that on to the end of this too, if you don't mind. So, happy election day 2020. You want to take a trip to Mount Fuji? Let's go right now. All right. Imagine that you're having a conversation with somebody. You both decided to go hike Mount Fuji, which I almost did once when I was living in Japan. But I chickened out. My wife and daughter went and did it. And I regretted that I didn't go. But let's imagine that I did go. And that you did too. And uh, we were texting with each other the entire time about the hike. And I get up to, let's say, I'm at a... Let's say that the, the peak of, I don't know, I've got to look this up, what Mount Fuji is, the elevation. 
and I get halfway up the mountain, and I'm looking out at all of the greenery around me. It's fall time. There's colored leaves on the trees. I can see little villages, little towns in the roofs scattered out around me. And I get on the phone and I call you and I start talking to you about it and describing things. And, oh, what, what did you think when you got to this station? What did you think when you got to that station? And we realize at some point we've both gone on this hike. We're both hiking Fuji. But you actually started at a station that's on the other side of the mountain from me. And you took a different route. And you saw different scenery. You met different people. You had different experiences. So as we're talking about hey, what is it like being halfway up this mountain? You look out, and you're describing what you see. Well, I'm describing what I'm seeing based on the path that I came up. You're describing what you saw based on the path where you came up and the view that you have in front of you on the south side of the mountain, the view that I have in front of me on the north side of the mountain. It's not going to be the same, is it? And it might be a little discouraging to think, wow, we're, we're really not experiencing the same thing at all. What does that mean? Does that mean that I am not really hiking Mount Fuji <laughs> or that you are not really hiking Mount Fuji? I think that's I think that's what we do in our lives. You know, I've had this experience many times where I get really excited about some insight that I've had about the nature of existence, the nature of reality, the way that, oh, now this thing makes sense to me. And I'll share that with somebody. They're like, oh, yeah, totally. We totally agree. And the more that we talk about it, the more I realize, oh, they don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they didn't come up the same pathway on Fuji. And I don't really know what they're talking about. I didn't go up their pathway on Fuji. We've got a couple of things that we share in common that we're excited about. But we're not going to really, I mean, even if you imagine that we keep walking all the way up to the summit and we finally meet at the very tip top of the mountain. We still will have had very different experiences getting there. And I really don't think that we ever get to the top of that mountain. Not in, not in this lifetime. <laughs> you know, maybe at some point, maybe at the point when we realized that we were the entire mountain and everything that we were looking at all the time, just focused our conscious attention into this one person that we are right now. But that's my view from where I'm standing, looking out at the scenery around me. And uh, yours is going to be different from that. And I want to be interested. I want to be curious about what your experiences are, what your view is. I want to be able to share my view of what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing without enforcing it on you to say, oh, you didn't walk up this way. You didn't stop at this place. You didn't have this snack in your bag. <laughs> you didn't have this color of fanny pack. You didn't carry this post, this stick as you were walking up. You didn't have these people in your group. So, so you must be wrong because this is what I experienced and I must be right and you must be wrong. Get away from that. Got to get away from it.
I just described something that I'm learning about right now that's called an egregore. Now, there's a lot... <laughs> there's a lot of different ways of understanding this idea of egregore. And I'm listening to a book right now that I'm struggling to take literally the things that they're saying literally. I can, I can accept the idea metaphorically. But the idea of an egregore is that... I don't know, are, are any of you familiar with Neil Gaiman's book, American Gods, which was later adapted into a TV show? There's this idea that these old Norse, Greek, Native American, all of these different gods that used to be worshipped by different groups of people at different times in history, they're still around, but they're kind of slumming it because they were fed by the belief of these groups of people and the worship that these people gave them nourished them. And they were mighty and powerful, but, but now the main god is money and commerce and you know, all this stuff that is trying to push out all the other old ancient gods. So I think that's a really nice illustration of this idea of egregore. That an egregore is a... It's group thought. It's, it's, a, it's a belief system. It's a worldview that's shared by many people that takes on a life of its own. And the things in this book that I'm struggling with is, you know, these, these occultist authors and philosophers going back to, like, Tibetan Buddhism and stuff in Islam and stuff in early Christianity. The, the belief that these egregores are, in fact, living entities, demons, angels, that they have power, that they want to stay alive, they want to be fed, they want people to believe in them. Now, you know, I can, I can accept that as a metaphor. I, I, can, I can imagine that many complative, uh, how do you say that? Complative? People who are busy with contemplation, contemplative, there we go that many contemplative thinkers over the years would watch what would happen among groups of people when they have shared stories, shared beliefs, and what that does to their behavior and what that does to their psyche. And, and thought of these neural pathways in the brain that form as a result of belief, repetitive habits of focus, repetitive habits of attention, and it becomes your own internal programming, you know, this, this biological miracle of existence that we call our bodies and all of the trillions of living cells that are cooperating in just the most amazing ways that we aren't even thinking about to provide us life, to provide us the, the ability to think and to worry and to wonder and to hate, and to love, and to all of the things that we do. This biological system of cells, this hardware that we've inherited just by being born into this world, there is a, a, a software, a, a, a program system to operate that hardware. And we come pre-coded with certain things. But then we have this ability to change the programming ourselves. 
But the culture that we're raised in gives us a template and forces us into that template. We might struggle and resist and choose little slightly different variations, but this template is an egregore. It's a belief system. It's a worldview. And I can, I can get with the idea of it being a real thing. But I have, to, I have to draw the line of where I'm comfortable with what's literal and what's metaphorical at calling them demons and spirits that have a life outside of human interaction with it. You know, it's kind of like the... If a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it, does the tree make a sound? That's supposed to be this riddle that doesn't have a very good answer, but it's pretty simple, I think. And I got this from Alan Watts, because I love me some Alan Watts. That sound, what is sound? (laughs) Sound requires a number of variables in order to exist. One of the variables it requires is the disturbance of air molecules which is what happens when a tree falls. It disturbs the air molecules all around it. When it hits the ground, boom. But it's not just the disturbance of air molecules. There also has to be an eardrum that's there to record that sound, whether that is a human eardrum or a squirrel (laughs) or a tape recorder that's just put there that's an artificially, quote-unquote, made sound-detecting advice. It's the combination of those things that give you sound. So if you don't have anyone around to hear the disturbed air molecules, does it make a sound? Well, technically, no. The air molecules are still disturbed. The laws of physics are still there. But the way that we're defining things, if we're going to be precise, sound requires both the noise and the person receiving that noise to hear it in order to be sound. Now, whether you accept this or not, this is where I'm coming from. So I'm just describing to you my path up Mount Fuji. (laughs) So an egregore, or these belief systems, these templates, these neural pathways that are in our brains, I think require a human mind in order to exist. I don't think that these things exist like disturbed air molecules outside, but maybe there's things that I can't see. Maybe I'm like one of these blind men coming up to an elephant that's touching it and going, oh, this feels like a brick to me. This feels like a wall. And somebody else is feeling the tusk. Well, this is really sharp. Or someone's feeling the tail. I don't know. It seems like a snake to me. Everybody's come up Mount Fuji on their different pathways, and so they're looking for different things, seeing different things. And I have to acknowledge that my path only includes this limited sliver of reality that I've experienced through my life. So I got to be open to what other people are saying. And when I listen to guys like Phoenix Aurelius, this alchemist who I interviewed, talk about the astral plane and ask the question, where do thoughts go once you're done thinking them? Because these thoughts (laughs) that are in your head, that narrate every moment of every day to you how you feel about this how you feel about that do you want to go do this can you afford to do this what's going to happen if i don't do this like all of those thoughts that are these conscious thoughts they originate in our minds as part of the material world right i mean they're real 
It's part of the fabric of reality. It's not something that's separate from that. It can't be something that's separate. Is anything separate from that? So Phoenix asks me, where do your thoughts go when you're done with them? Kind of like when you breathe in and you breathe out, where does the air go? Well, it's just being cycled around in the environment. It's, it's atoms, right? So it, could it possibly be the same thing with thoughts? Could there be in some, in some part of the fabric of space-time that we just don't have senses that have evolved to be able to detect and we haven't been able to create, create instruments with the sensitivity to de- detect these things? Is it possible that there is an astral plane, as Phoenix describes it? This place where all of the thoughts that have ever existed are. <laughs> and, and a place where an egregore, this group thinking, these patterns that have been thought and repeated over and over and over again in the minds of so many groups of people, where that, that the imprint on the fabric of reality is there as well. So if I come into to contact with a group that is giving me this pattern of you are right and everybody else is wrong look at how righteous you are look at how unrighteous everybody else is that that could be a very high level filter or system way of viewing yourself in relationship to the world that could be looked at as an egregore that oh I'm feeding this us versus them thing I mean, if, and again, whether that's a literal thing or it's a metaphorical thing, it makes me ask myself, what do I want out of my life? Do I want to be in that I am righteous and everybody else is wicked? Or me and, me and the people who agree with me are righteous and everybody else who doesn't, they're wicked. I think that's an, that's an egregore in the shape of a dragon that I'd like to slay just in my own being. Stay away from it. respect it for what it is, honor it for what it is, but I'm not going to feed it in me. I don't want to feed it in anybody else. So that's my thought today, midway up Mount Fuji. Cheers. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Dashley. And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob I tune into the scene between the eyes And take a breath Thank you for listening to Infants on Front I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me Never mind the future, never mind what the past be I like to jump and let the universe catch me Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this night. Welcome to Bathing with God. Listener Mailbag. Listener Mailbag.
Hey Quad. Hey what? We have another listener question. Yes, I know. This one comes from Eric. I know that too. Eric wants to know about Deja Vu. He said, Great podcast. I grew up religious and loved life and God, but always hated church. Too much anxiety. Your conversations are helping me to see that I'm okay. Yesterday, I got hit with a good deja vu moment, and so it made me wonder, as it always does, what the heck is that? Why do our minds see things so unbelievably clear while we're in it, and then it just vanishes? It is a true peek into something, I think, but what does Quad have to say about it? Keep up the good work, Eric. So Quad, what is deja vu? Do you want me to tell you, or would you rather have me show you? Show me? You can show me deja vu? With both hands tied behind my back. You have hands? Yep. Anytime I want them. As many as I can imagine. Ditto for having a back. Why would you want to have more than one back? Oh, ye of little imagination. Do you want me to show you deja vu or not? Sure. By all means, show me. Okay. Just remember, you asked for it. Are you ready? Yeah, I think. All right. Here it is. This is Deja Vu. was that? That was Deja Vu. That sounded more like Tim Janis, winner of the First World Burping Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, you have your champion, Tim Janis, the World Burping Champion. You're right. That was Tim Janis, winner of the First World Burping Championship. So why did you say it was Deja Vu? Because that is what deja vu is. It's a burp? You know how little kids sometimes think that rain is what happens when God cries? I guess. Well, deja vu is what happens when God burps. God burps? Look, if I can have as many hands and backs as I can imagine, I can certainly imagine a God who burps. Sure, but you could also imagine that toilet paper makes great dental floss, but that's not going to make it true. Are you absolutely sure about that? Yes, I actually am. So explain yourself, Quad. Why is deja vu a divine belch? Because every moment of time that you experience is a literal, tangible piece in the fabric of space-time. An energetic clump in the massive sea of eternal energy that is God. You usually experience time in a consistent, moment-by-moment -moment basis as your consciousness moves forward through the fabric of space-time. Usually. But sometimes, you become aware of a moment that is about to happen right before you get to it. Like a wrinkle in a bedsheet. Like a wrinkle in time. Like a ripple in space-time. A wave in space-time that crashes prematurely onto the beach of your conscious awareness. A ripple of space-time that, 
if it created a sound, would sound a little like... Alright, okay, so that's deja vu, huh? Why not? Why not? Because it makes no sense. It makes perfect sense. Because it is a perfect sense. You think that your nervous system only detects vibrations of light and sound through your eyes and ears? Do you know that there are other parts of you that are sensitive to other vibrations that you don't even have names for? Did you know that experiments have been made that demonstrate that your mind often knows what is about to happen split seconds before it actually happens? In a protocol designed to measure our ability to predict a future event, in this case we would be shown a photograph of either a negative or a, a neutral event. And what they found is that the body would respond prior to seeing the picture in a way that was far greater than chance. In other words, somehow the body seemed to know what the future picture was going to be. So when I do experiments involving what I call presentiment, which is pre-feeling, we oftentimes will get an amazingly good result, which shows that people are aware of what's about to happen between three and five seconds in their future. Why do you think that is? Your egoic consciousness is like a spider sitting in the middle of a web, sensitive to the vibrations of anything that touches that web. But your web is a web of energy, and you are only consciously aware of a very narrow range of frequencies. Subconsciously, your subconscious mind is aware of far more subtler frequencies that your conscious mind does not even know you are sensitive to. It is like you have invisible feelers all around you, aware of what is coming moment by moment, just before it happens. When the subconscious awareness of what is about to happen bumps into the conscious awareness of what is happening right now, you experience a moment of deja vu. And the reason they bump into each other can be thought of as a kind of tremor in the fabric of space-time. And that tremor can be thought of as God burping. What do you think about that? I think that you are a burp in the fabric of space-time. Yes. Well, in the world of pure imagination and infinite possibilities, you wouldn't be wrong. But I really only have one thing to say about that. And, like any deja vu moment, it's going to feel like you've heard it before. Oh yeah? What's that? Thank you for listening to Bathing with God. If you like what you just heard, and would like to purchase a print or Kindle version of the complete book, search for it on Amazon.com, or go to the website, bathingwithgod.com. And if you really, really like what you just heard, share it with someone you love, and give me a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you use. You can also like our Facebook page, and subscribe to the Bathing with God YouTube channel. And if you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can email me, Glenn Osland, at bathingwithgod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And probably so would Quad. Oh yeah, bring it. Thanks again for listening to Bathing, Bathing with God. God.